I've been to quite a few fashion shows, not specifically in New York, but I've been to like quite a lot of the London ones and so and Paris actually I've been to quite a few in Paris. Really? Yeah. The ones in, in, in New York are chaotic, but I found something yesterday that Really? It's really outrageous. Um, this is It's the uh, yeah, I kinda tend I get so scared by the clamour of a fashion show and everyone kinda yelling and I like the speed of them but yeah, then there's always interesting music going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I'm, guys are... For someone with like a short attention span, the speed of the so fashion show is good for me. <laughs> this guy, this this is Gypsy Sport, right? Oh, wow. And they're, uh, they're non-specific gender. Oh, amazing. No, I didn't see this one. That's that's from uh, I just go on um, Vogue Runway. Yeah, I've got that. <laughs> that's where I found phone. it. <laughs> yeah, I've got Vogue uh, Runway up. On I my don't phone always find too. things there. Well, I think they're kind of uh, at Gucci. They just said they're doing their last separate gender fashion shows, so it's all going to be mixed from now on. They're just going to have one. It's going to be confusing. <laughs> Great. It's just, yeah. It's just, uh, but I think, um, I think what, what they mean by that is like they, it will still be like men's clothes and women's clothes, but it'll be far more fluid as to what. It's a gesture. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. I mean, some of the things on Gypsy Sport, um, when you meet the guy on the TV, the show, the, the, the he comes up and starts talking about mm. his. And he looks like like a Scandinavian lawyer. Mm. You know, he he's not one of one of the clothing. He's not wearing what his clothes are doing. Mm. And then he's got one picture in there for people who are overweight. I mean, he has that kind of this kind of you know presentation for mm. people, which is another category that they're that they're 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 getting onto. Yeah, and I think I like him. Um Especially for me, I think I, d- I never understood like what how to be like girly or it, I always felt like I was always sort of not sure whether you I was sort of I don't know I never felt kind of super comfortable with being really girly or and then I always found like men's clothes I really enjoyed oversized men's clothes and, <laughs> and I kind of became especially in terms of like performers. When I suspect I sort of look to like you know male artists a lot of what they were wearing, and I always kind of felt envious of the fact that their stage persona and their life seemed to be very on the same plane. They really? just kind of walked from step from home onto stage. I mean, obviously like Bowie and stuff that was very yeah you know yeah. but they feel like. I kind of became jealous almost of like the simplicity of perhaps like a Nick Cave suit that he'd wear all day, every day, and then on the stage and then off the stage. So I think I was look, definitely looking at how to kind of bring the masculine <laughs> into my work. I don't know. I don't know if I can wear some of these. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, um, but it, it. I mean, this hermaphrodite idea. It has been a long time coming. I mean, it's yeah. been around for a long time. It used to be trannies that wore all of this. Now it seems that that show looks like it's catering entirely to to trannies. I think it's 
Well, it's just everything is becoming more fluid, fluid which right. is a really, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And it becomes everything is shared. And I think the idea mm-hmm. of really inclusivity, and it's something that, you know, in it, I would love to see us moving even more towards, you know, just this kind of fluid thing that comes from like love and sharing and sharing of ideas. And I think. And if we can start with clothes, <laughs> the, thing that, the thing that confuses me with those shows is is whether you really get any leadership from them. What you, fashion shows? Yeah, there's the, you know they're always like following what. Do you I, think the guys that are in in New York, for instance, are really all over the place? I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. chaotic. But but I mean, you get some, but you always find that even they realize that that. Uh, you can have all these this great line that's mm. that's ferociously individual, and still, uh, you have to put in the straight piece of garment in there, just yeah. so that everybody has. Oh yeah, he knows that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you don't scare them. Yeah, yeah, all. yeah. But um, I mean, I, I I'm not scared. But I mean, it's it's. Um, I'm just thinking about the market, which I know nothing about. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, but. Um, and I and it really it's it's I wish they'd sort themselves out so I know where to go look for something. I just part, I just came across this by mistake. What la- what labels do you like? Like what do you like? Oh, uh, Hood by Air. Hood by Air, nice. Totally, and uh, Karma must but they're 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 really into business and, and into yeah. But I like uh, people that you you've never heard of before. You go into Have a. You heard like the vet, the vetmont people. I think vetmont. Yeah, I've, I've heard that name. Yeah. yeah, they're doing quite interesting stuff at the moment. Like really playing with proportions and like making the sleeves really extra yeah, long yeah, yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Which I yeah I um and it, it's kind of play it's playful but it feels quite anarchic at the same time. Is that is are, are they doing uh, women's and men's? Yeah, or? and it, but it's all kind of like you said it all oh, kind cool. of blurs Very together cool. like really enormous hoodies. Yeah. And tracksuits and stuff. So it's sort of high, it's quite like, it's high fashion, but there's a set kind of a feeling of slight anarchy to it as well. I think it's. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's smarter with Gypsy because it's, it's really sport material. Yeah. It, it's like gym material and he's making, and he's putting them all together into, into dresses made out of sports yeah, material yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and I like, have you, there's. Al, the guy Alessandro just moved to Gucci and he's doing really amazing stuff over there I think huh. again kind of these blending like what is masculine and feminine so you know uh, he's making all the shows with men and women now and um, the kind of the patterns and stuff and everything but even for the men it's like incredibly flamboyant Fl- and yeah. florid yeah, fun, but I think that's kind of definitely what that's definitely what I'm drawn to. I think is like maximalism. I'm not really like a minimalist. Yeah, I'm wondering whether any of them. Some of them they used to do they used to do a run that was based on the Hound of the Baskervilles or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. would they would have a, 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 a suit. Theme. Yes. Yeah. And the suit would come, you know, from one of the Sherlock Holmes stories or something. And, um, 
But I don't know. I mean, I I I, I don't know what what novels or books would really. I've still not been covered by them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're always like. I mean, I know what I what. I read this. Um, do you know David Peace? No. David Peace is from uh, Yorkshire. Taught English in Japanese schools. Wrote a series of novels about North Yorkshire. About uh, 1984 was the number one. Mm. Well, 1987, 1989. Mm. All about the miners' strike. Mm. And all about Thatcher and mm. the way they... Mm. And... Um, then he he went and t- taught English in Japan and came out with these two books about just post-war Japan mm-hmm. after the bomb fell and everything. Mm-hmm. It's called Tokyo Year Zero, mm-hmm. and it's he's got this really f- ferocious style of writing. He he writes dialogue. He doesn't write descriptive prose. Uh, so you you're thrown mm-hmm. right in the middle of whatever's going on, and um, so anyway, I was just thinking well. The Japanese clothes in Tokyo at the time of, of uh, yeah. would, have, would have been one kind of inkling to, uh, yeah. about a design center for for someone. But um, I just I just threw that out because I was wondering who you like to read. Ah, who do I like to read? Um, well, we at the moment um, I'm reading quite a lot of poetry. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad gave me for my one of my birthday. My dad gave me all his old school copies of you know like T. S. Eliot and yeah, um, and he, they still all have his all his like notes like annotations, so they're quite precious to me. Um, yeah, I just bought it, but I just bought some some of him reading. He did. He used to do impressions to me um, of, of reading T. S. Eliot, Eliot lyrics in a Bob Dylan voice. <laughs> like, Good. It's like they could all be Bob Dylan's. Yeah, songs. yeah, yeah. yeah. Very <laughs> good. Singing, As we go now, you and I. The women they come and go. Speaking of Michelangelo, so yeah, so him singing Elliot lyrics to me in a Bob Dylan voice is a big. Very good. <laughs> and it works. That's a it great really upbringing. <laughs> That's a great upbringing. Um, and so I've been reading. There was this poem, I couldn't, um, I, re- I reread, uh, I reread, um, uh, and they, uh, and everyone sang, which is a poem by, um, uh, it's gone straight out of my head, I'll find it on, but it was, um, Sieg- Siegfried Sassoon, yes. I just reread that. Uh-huh. And it, um, and it just, I thought it was one of the most beautiful, I came, re-came across it in an anthology about birds. And it has this, and it's about um, people singing in the trenches, and he writes about it, and he says, and suddenly um, horror was lifted, terror disappeared, and everyone, and all was singing, and everyone was a bird, and the singing will never be done. And it was just the most... Yeah. How I should get it and find it and read it properly, but it was just so just finding and it seemed so sort of poignant. Yeah, no, those those war poems are really. Just I mean, re- they get you. Yeah, and um, I just I just listened to um, to poetry, please, this morning. Yeah, I love poetry, please. 
And they had a poem in there. I've forgotten the name. It was he, he was covering Latin America translations yeah, all, yeah. and from southern Mexico, it was an Elliot Weinberger poem. And the way they talked, um, in uh, how tribes and primitive people have mm -hmm. omens, mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so they they think well, if a bird whistles then uh, your friend will come, right? Yay. If if uh, if uh, if, uh, if the wind blows at midnight, then your horse will uh, will sleep. <laughs> things things that are really disjointed. He wrote a whole poem that really went off on all of that. You know that whole idea yes. of like, well, yes. and you really know your horse will die. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. if you got oh, just like things connected. Like, yes. okay, totally. And disconnected. If a leaf falls What's off this bush, yeah. you, you will go blind. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I really like that because I kind of, I've been reading quite a lot of um, poetry um, and my, uh, my friend Robert Montgomery, he does these big poems that are billboards and he, he's an artist, so it's like poetry... And then it becomes this big billboard, and yeah, it's we need just huge messages of, yeah. of words, and it's really powerful. Very good. And I've been thinking about what it is to be what a poem is versus what a song is, because I've actually started writing things that perhaps are just the idea of stuff that I couldn't put into a song. And so I had a poem that just became a huge list of things that I felt I could never put into a song because they weren't beautiful enough. In fact, they were sort of horrible. And, you know, like these artefacts that were just sort of too bloody and ragged and, like, shameful to put you, them into a song. Do you... Um, I was just going to ask you. Do you remember why... Do you remember one of the reasons why most things don't appear in that that list, for mm. instance, why they wouldn't be parts of a song? I'm just wondering what. Well, I think maybe they, maybe they could now, but I mean, firstly, some some of them didn't rhyme. It's <laughs> oh, <that's> not <laughs> Everybody writes stuff. That doesn't rhyme. <laughs> some of them didn't rhyme. Some of them were words that I didn't think were pretty enough or have enough but also just kind of um I sometimes I somehow felt that songwriting because it was I had like quite a swampy twin like just about to turn 30 and my 20s were kind of super swampy and I was quite troublesome and so I and I felt like in a, when I would write songs, it was almost like I would rewrite events in, into something that was grander and more beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I could reimagine a situation that had kind of been kind of horrifying, like some kind of really crippling hangover or something that you'd done when you were drunk that you really regretted. And if I could reimagine it into this event that seemed grander and more biblical even and had mythology and... Yeah in it then yeah. I could sort of reclaim it in a way I think that's what Elliot Weinberger had in mind I mean he just started with a couple of things that really were sort of local tribes talking mm. and then he took it off and um, but that's, that's a legitimate uh, what do you call it it's a, uh, it's a 
practice, logistical practice in <laughs> literature. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Well, it's sort of turning the mundane into magical, but then I've become much more interested, I think, as I get older, in putting the mundane into the songs. <laughs> I yeah. think it's good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it brings people up short. <laughs> But it also makes it interesting. I just put the word car park into a song for the yeah. first time. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's very good. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Maybe like, in that car. I know. That's, that's a good way to start, actually. You just gave me an idea. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Where, find the words that you really can't put into a song yeah. and then put them in a song. Yeah, I had what... There's the, the poem... <laughs> I was like writing a poem. I was like about um, yeah, just like about weird stuff that happened. Like one, like my I had I sort of had a weird thing where you know in my early twenties, my ex boyfriend turned up outside my house on Valentine's Day. My new boyfriend and I lived with my mum. And my ex-boyfriend somehow tried to, like, kill my new boyfriend with a shoe. And, you know, you can't... <laughs> that doesn't seem very songy, but when you put it into a poem, it kind of works if you put it in a list of other things that you felt like you couldn't put into a poem. But there's something... Yeah, the idea of putting kill into a song is really... It's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Because you may not be talking about the same thing as what it seems to be. Yeah. I mean, the idea of killing anybody anyway is, like... It's better done if you do it mentally than if you physically I say I don't his heart he stopped. Actually, his heart. Don't think his heart was really in it. Otherwise, right. he probably would have chosen something right. better than a shoe. Right. <laughs> right. I think it was more the kind of um, the idea that these sort of uh, yeah what and I would kind of write about these things that would happen, but it would have been a very obscure way that was further from actually what had actually happened, I think. As like almost like a self protection. Not that they didn't happen, that they were just No. That you write them, you rewrite them in your imagination yeah. into something completely different. Yeah. Um but yeah, now it's all car parks and reality <laughs> Not really. I'm still sort of half in it's a it's a it's a it's really a, a trick to be able to put something realistic into something really elegant. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and when it works, it works, and you just you just wish you could do it more. I don't know. I wish you could do it more. But sometimes the reality takes, takes over. I think, I think, again, and it's nice to sort of... I think I've can't, I came out to L.A. just to... Oh, I was wondering, you, yeah. you're moving today, weren't you? Oh, I'm, I'm moving to do a writing session with oh. um, someone who's yeah. making their album, but today, but I came out to LA a bit early. i just come off tour, and we, really weirdly, I just started writing again almost immediately, which I think everyone is quite shocked by, because they sort of assume <laughs> that you'd need to rest, but it's kind of, no. I always want to keep doing Work stuff. Work is more fun than fun. <laughs> That's so true. That is so completely true. Work is more fun than fun. So, yeah. and especially as I get older, yeah, I just discover that the work is always where I've had yeah, my time, most yeah, fun. Yeah, you've got a certain amount of time. You better get on it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I haven't stopped. I mean I have a studio. Yeah. And I mean I just got off. Not a tour, but it was um, it was London, L.A., Tokyo, and then back to L.A. in, in about two weeks. 
and he just was, he just knocked me sideways. But generally, I just go straight back in and start doing it because what you do when you're out of shape, when you think you're out of shape, yeah. things happen anyway. Yes, I'm, totally. I mean, your your brain is just throwing this stuff out, and it and it, and when you're in the studio, you've got a place to put it. I mean, it's like. You know, yeah, instead of sitting around and like scratching your head, oh, oh. I think traveling as well. It's it's very nice. I like being busy, and there's something about being on tour that keeps you unbusy. You have one massive gig to do, but the rest of the day is sort of you're exhausted, and in a really weird way, the rest of the day is actually quite bo- like is boring until this one big thing. So being being actually making things and getting to do stuff every day now that I'm off tour is really I was waiting for it do you switch things up on stage then? we kind of um, do you improvise on stage? yeah it's not really like the show itself isn't very choreographed but we have um, we sort of we do work we're like we're always trying to find what the best set list is and what will work so we kind of start with what we think is perfect and then keep changing it all the way through till we really find you know but I find I quite like to do because the band is really organic it's there's not like big props it's just lots we got so many musicians on the stage now as well how many do you have it got really big this time (laughs) it was like three trumpet three trumpets wow Um, so you can they can't really improvise you've got to the thing is it has to be because there's a lot of musicians now sure actually the more we do a set list sort of over again the better we get because mm-hmm. we just we have to everyone has to become this one organism and when there's 12 people on stage you sort of yeah. actually but for me it can that can be it's quite maddening because you're doing Cause you're ahead of the band all the time well and also you're kind of doing in a some way like it's good because you get really slick because you're doing the same set list and you're getting it right but after a while, it really becomes like Groundhog Day because you have like you wake up, you're going to the show, you're yeah. doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah. But so, I, is it? I mean, how would you break it down if you if, if if you decide okay, one number in the set is going to be where nobody knows what they're going to do. <laughs> you you have to choose two or three people. That would be really interesting. Just two yeah. or three people, people that you've you you've relied on, you know, people that know you and. That would be really fun. I mean, I mean, it would be. Um, I don't know. I just wondered whether. You I used to, you know, when I my, all my first gigs were improvised. Gigs. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there every you go. Single, as I was what I was nineteen, super drunk, and I would. There were all these open nights and club nights in London all the time, open mics, and I would just get up and improvise whatever words came into my head and if there was a band we'd I mean I had a band that was a fully improvisational band yeah <laughs> we did two gigs and then they were like did you like doing that I did but it's it is so like it's like flying with the wind you have yeah. to just go wherever we'd pick a chord and then we'd start but what was really interesting is a lot of my early songs came from that improvisational sure. space yeah. because you're forced to just sing words yeah, yeah. and create it's, yeah it's it's the birthplace I mean it's you get a lot done like that. Yeah. So that was kind of how I started to perform, really. But it was... It so also, when you get off stage after doing that, it, 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 so there's a residue in your brain. Well, if this happens, then that'll happen. And then yeah. you start having a catalogue of those things <laughs> yeah. that really help you through. I mean, 
I'm gonna I tell, have to tell my guitarist and my drummer that we're now doing a one fully improvised song. Sean Kale says Don't one no, 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 fully improvised no, song. No. Sure, blame it on me. Uh, <laughs> we'll get the bass no, play. then they'd be like, okay, we got to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, most of my, a lot of my stuff is improvised because the guys I've got are really just they listen all yeah, the time and they yeah. and they get they, so they just love it when you improvise because they're on stage like when you're performing yeah. it's improvised a lot yeah yeah I mean you have a skeleton yeah and then you go from the skeleton to I and it, you know you really get out into it's uh, what I what I really want them to be is mm. I want them to be like the Gil Evans band mm. live you know the the Glamours that did all the, the sketches of Spain with Miles, mm. that kind of dense harmonies and mm. stuff. Uh, it's never gotten there, but I'm not worried about not getting there. So mm. Just having the thing float in the air, maybe yeah. you'll find something else. And, and and but anyway, it's just I I started doing it on the road because it was it was driving everybody mad. Doing the same, do the same thing, everything. Yeah. 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 It's like a it's like a hole in the lid of a kettle. It lets the steam out every once in a while. Yeah, I think that is a really nice. I'm, I think we'd be scared. <laughs> you know, it would. It's definitely like you make you're making yourself vulnerable, vulnerable which is really good. But yes. you are, yes. Because um, I think we're kind of a, a, it's getting it really s- slick and in time, and you know, um, so to really like, unravel in front of people would be really would be something I think everybody would be would be amazed at it I mean just you got to set it up and you got to you got to prepare yourself for all of that yeah yeah and but would when you, you get uncomfortable keep going <laughs> don't <laughs> that's a good message just for life anyway <laughs> no but they say when like when you're uncomfortable in creatively, that's the best that's space. best time. Yeah, that's Absolutely. the best place you're supposed to be. Yeah, the number of times I've written lousy lyrics and mm. then I come back, I come back and looked at them later and I say, "There's nothing wrong with you." <laughs> you know, and I hated them at the time. And it's. So. I know. I do think about some of the first stuff I ever wrote, and it was always like really macabre. There's a lot stories. of innocence, I bet. Yeah, and and I think that was. That was really good. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's good. Um, and very innocent. And like the songs were a lot more like little stories I was telling to myself before I had an idea of like what a. I before I got even got in the style or the way I like to write songs. I wonder what would happen if you if you decide to write a song that you that was talking about. You don't know what you're going to be doing. Yeah. That you don't. It's, I don't know what I'm doing now and I don't know what I'm going to be doing next and I don't know what I'm going to be doing after that it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really having to convince a, a, a state of mind more than anything else that you're talking about you, because you're pulling people in yeah. people are going yeah. to be following you and, and um, well, so nothing, none of that is really worth really being scared about it's really I mean because you, you, you're you're exposing yourself and you're showing a side of yourself people don't normally see. Yeah, that would be really... Because um, anyway. I think you're trying to give people... Or you're trying to... I, well, sometimes when I'm writing a song, I'm trying to um, find an answer to something, to some kind of question. And I guess there's something... Would be, you'd be like, I don't know. 
don't know anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel sort of at the moment, uh, yeah, it's nice to feel ready to write again. And I, yeah. and I feel um, I'm quite into... You're energized. Yeah, I feel energized about it. But I feel um, I'm quite into structureless <laughs> hey. things. <laughs> you know, it's gonna it, it's gonna have its structure anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna say, hey, look at that. My friend said the style of writing I have is like you're going along this way, you're going along this way. Oh, look over there! <laughs> you're, like, you're completely different. That's great. That's great. And then back because. I don't know, I think... Um, you know, a lot of songwriting how comes out with... ends up being didactic if you, if, you, if, you, if you don't do some of that. I know, I... If it comes yeah. like... Yeah. And country music does that to me. Mm. And I, I just don't... I don't want to be told quite what... I, I can tell what's going to happen like in the first three lines. And... Uh, Dylan didn't do that. But then Dylan's not country music, I guess. <laughs> when you're composing a song, do you start... Do you have any, like... I find... Because I'm not actually trained in, at anything musically. Hang on to that. That's important. <laughs> not being trained. So, so I feel incredibly enthusiastic about anything that I can make because I don't yeah. think about it. I'm like, oh, any note sounds good to me because I don't really know how to play. That's so I'm like, fine. this sounds yeah. so great. It's what a single note to me is the best sound. Yeah. That you can just that ding, 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 ding. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> So I was wondering, do you start? I mean, I don't even know. It's I guess I just start with whatever I can start banging or whatever's in the uh -huh. room. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. I start with a groove. Mm. I gotta have a rhythm going, and then I want to make it lurch a little bit so that it's off, but funky as I can. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Some guys, the, the first guys I saw do that was Dr. John and the Night Trippers. When, yeah, when, Dr. John's amazing. And Dr. John's band, they were scary. Like we opened for them in 1967, something. And they had these three girls with feathers coming mm. out of their hair. And they all looked like voodoo goddesses. You'd run oh, miles yeah. if you saw them in the dark. <laughs> and a, a bass player with a, with a giant handkerchief coming out of his back pocket. A huge guy with a, with a, with a, uh, a white... Uh, I said a boiler suit, and um, but the rhythms, were re you know, that's that Louisiana thing. They've got that, yeah, that yeah, shifty yeah, yeah. kind of bass, and yeah, I got hung up on that. I still am. I mean, I, I, I think the the Fifty Cent does it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dre does it. You're the you. I actually through you, I discovered clips because I read an interview where you're talking about that song they did, Wamp Wamp Wamp, which that that clack clattering percussive sound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's they. That's how I kind of got turned on. What song was that? Uh, Wamp Wamp. Yes. It, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's this amazing percussion, which is like. And I think, yeah, I'd, I'd read an interview where you had said we're talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a, that really um, sparse, 
percussion, but the groove is amazing. Yeah, when I listen to that stuff, I, I'm very suspicious right away because this sounds very cool and simple, but really it's not. There's something, there's something else going on here that somebody knows what they're doing. And, although, I, I mean, there's a lot of innocence about rhythm machines when they first mm -hmm. came out. There's a guy in Florida named Timmy Thomas, I remember. He was a, uh, a gospel singer, I think, mm. but he had a he had number one hit. It was number one with an anchor. You know, it didn't just go down. It just, like, stayed there. And it was just him and a rhythm machine and a Hammond organ. And it was fabulous. And rhythm machines really had... To, you, you had to teach rhythm machines to, yeah. to have that lurch. Yeah. It doesn't have it. It's like, And in disco... You lost the plot in disco because disco was all about staying on the. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you you go to Studio Fifty Four to really to do the gym, you know, yeah. work out all the liquor and the drugs you've had all day. And <laughs> right? Do you feel like when you're playing shows, do you think that phones are having an impact on like the interaction between a live artist and their audience? I try to ignore it. Really, you do. I mean, mm. I have to, otherwise, it drive me nuts. Yeah. I, I do wonder I if... I think there's a greater danger of people on the street coming up and following you around and, and, and with the phones. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. much more aggravating. Yeah, yeah, I think... Not just annoying, I think it's just really... It's, it's dangerous. I, mean, I wonder... You don't know who these guys are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder sometimes... I didn't want to bring that up. It's not <laughs> something, you know... <laughs> You know, we're, we're, we're cool. <laughs> I just wonder sometimes, I feel... I do now a song where I ask everyone to put their phones away in a show just for, like, one song with all... You know, if everyone just here can put their phones away... And if I heard your voice asking to put the phone away, I'd put it away right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just ask, like, because like, everyone just kind of be here and be together and experience yeah. this. And, and I think for a moment people are kind of like, oh, yeah, we can. Like, yes, it's yes. okay, we can just experience this as it, as it is, you know. Um, because I do, I actually kind of at the front row, I have to, if I see someone, you know, super like yeah. this, I actually have to go, no, in you know, Moscow, put them, they were the, put the, them the down. The worst ones were in Moscow. They had gigantic old videotapes you know the, the real <laughs> videotapes that you put in gigantic they come up right across and it's kind of but I think it, once people do put their phone, phones away I notice that people are like oh we've really that was great yeah. you know, we really had a, a yeah. good experience so I wonder if um, I don't know I wonder if I'll do a tour next tour that it'll be like a no because I think people are slightly and I think it's a kind of, it's almost like a fear of intimacy because the intimacy... You can do it. I mean, the intimacy, they'll do it for you. Yeah, I thought about having like a no phones yeah. tour because it feels like you're having such an intimate exchange or what I want is an intimate exchange and it feels like it's a sort of barrier to that. I, I started... Um, I drove all the promoters in Europe crazy. No smoking. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you do a, a festival... It's a drum festival, mm. and that's a tobacco company. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, they're saying no I smoking. I felt a bit funny when I was playing um, Bottle Rock Festival, and I, you know, I haven't drunk for like two and a half years, and I was playing Bottle Rock in the Napa Valley, and they literally had like bars in the crowd, and I was like, hi. <laughs> I was singing all these songs about like trying to quit drinking, <laughs> and you know, like all these songs about. I was like. 
Um, this song is about the reasons why I quit drinking. <laughs> I know. I honestly thought like there was a bar in the crowd where yeah. people could get wine, and, and everyone was like, was like, do I? Because I usually have some blurb. You know, you know, you have the thing you say before a song, and usually I have a bit of like, oh, well, this is about like a really, really bad hangover that I had, and I was like, do I? Do I pretend hangover still exists? <laughs> I don't know. I said it anyway. Um, no, I mean, they understood. You're yeah, they got it. Yeah. But big, yeah, that's a funny It's all thing. happening in a big bed of love for the audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guys, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> if you think you're crazy, <laughs> you don't know the half of it. Yeah. But I think that's been kind of part of um, feeling re-energized and ready to go back to work as well because this is the first time I've got off a tour and I haven't gone on an enormous bender and it's sort of oh really yeah no I used you have a history so yeah I have a serious Mm. history (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) a serious history I know it seems very like demure (laughs) but no I was a lunatic (laughs) I was a complete lunatic (laughs) but it took but it was you know I got famous when I was 21 and It all came with the territory. It was like, you know, when I went sure. on, when yeah. I went on tour, yeah. they give me a, I get a bottle of vodka, two bottles, I get to just have two bottles of vodka a day, and that was sort of Ow. deemed kind of vaguely normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're, and I was always trying to keep up with all the other bands. And I, I should, I should do all the, all this chemicals that really I thought was was driving my creative force. Yeah. Then my daughter was born, and I cut it all out, and I was, I just went. Crazy! I just started writing, 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 writing. Yes. Ever since then, yeah, stopped. yeah. No, I really feel that's. I sort of was scared because I thought um, I needed the darkness and I needed the pain of, you know, um, like chemicals or alcohol or whatever. To, uh-huh. fu- I thought that was my fuel. And actually, this it's is not true. Is it? And no, and I've come off tour, and I feel so ready. And the right, you know, writing, writing, the words just come there like come come. So, it oh. really, I think it is a bit of a. I said that to someone when I first stopped drinking. I was like, what if I lose my, like, my, the thing, you know? What if I lose my... The thing. thing?" (laughs) She was like, it's a trap. Don't believe that. It's a trap. Um, And no, I feel, and I, because I think it's about, I feel much more open to the world and and the things I want to write about is broader as opposed to, you know, when I'm writing about, what I, what did I do when I was hungover or how do I hate myself today? It's quite narrow. You know, you've only got... Your perspective is... Your world is quite small because you're so... It's so internal. So I feel since cleaning up... What am I gonna, did you just say, what am I going to do when you hate yourself today? Yeah, what am I going to do when I... It's like, oh... <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> okay. Take, take two. Take two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, you don't. I. That's kind of the thing about improvising is that it allows you to that the beginning and there's no beginning and no end. Mm. And uh, wherever you were, you know, before you can pick it up exactly the same place and it still makes sense. You don't have to worry about yeah. it. Sort of. Um, that's where, where's the thread? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because generally, I, I don't I don't think about threads. Um, I mean, I. I set Dylan Thomas's music, the poems to music once, really? and they, 
um, and then I thought, well, let's keep going. The, the plan was you just drink as much as you can, open up the book of poems, and then just do all of them. <laughs> so you get going and you try and do all of them. There are tapes of me trying to do all of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a few of them worked fine. And, and then I went on and, and I got to Ezra Pound. Oh, yeah. Because I, I really liked Ezra Pound's mm. uh, user of... Uh, stops the sheep from getting to market mm -hmm. and with Dylan Thomas there was a lot of, was a lot of flow going on mm -hmm. this but with Ezra it was really severe I mm -hmm. mean especially the stuff with the Chinese in it I mean mm -hmm. just such an elitist view mm -hmm. and and then I read about him you know being arrested for doing things for the government mm -hmm. anti-US stuff I said, wait a minute, and then being anti-Semitic, and then mm. writing, and uh, writing letters to Roosevelt, and I just couldn't figure this guy out. I thought, yeah. what, what is he? You know, what a mess. <laughs> and I, t I thought, there's got to be something. There's got to be something here that's really, and I couldn't find it. I, I just, in the end, I just said, hey, some things you can't figure out, <laughs> and it was really disappointing to me, but. Um, you can't put all that nasty stuff together in one person and really expect to be able to find... I mean, you, what are you you're trying to be Florence Nightingale here and save her soul or what? You know, it's, it didn't work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But a lot of other people did, so I'm, you know, trying to draw on. <laughs> I think, who is... Who do you think, like, your favorite writers are then, if not... David Peace. David Peace, yeah. And um, uh, well, Le Carre, and, and you know, those popular mm. guys. The literature stuff, I have a problem with novels. Really? I can't settle down with a novel. David Reese gets me because he's, he's really dialogue. Oh, that was the other guy. George B. Higgins, is this right? You know? George B. Higgins, no, I don't know. He's a state's attorney for Massachusetts. He wrote a bunch of books all about organized crime in Massachusetts. Okay. And they write about these, these characters, but he's got the same thing going for him. He's writing dialogue. It's yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, he's yeah. coming at you with dialogue, and you've got such a strong image of a personality that's go and all the characters are in it and the other guy that does that is Richard Price mm. Richard Price all his all his books have there's no explanation in it you're thrown in the deep end you gotta catch mm. a breath when you can but it's really great I mean the way the characters evolve and his sense of dialogue he teaches kids in uh, uh, in New Jersey he teaches uh, oh, literature yeah. class to them and he's so he knows the street talk of yeah. ev you know, the new ones. Yeah. And um, anyway. It was, yeah, I kind of sort of, I, I was thinking if I was ever going to write a book, but I, I sort of know what my voice is in a, in a song sense. Like I have a, uh -huh. a voice if I'm writing a song. But again, I was wondering, like, it's all about, like, what is your voice? If you're writing a novel, like, what is the voice? Like, yeah. <laughs> who is that yeah. person? Yeah. And um, I don't know if I would ever be able to find that specific 
voice of someone yeah. who no, I've could about fill that. a novel, what yeah, would it be? It. Yeah, it's a lot easier to deal with verses than it is to deal with pages. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I started a bunch. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got a one-shot story out that was okay, but... Um, I don't know. It's it's daunting. It really, and I thought I always worry I drown everything in metaphor because I'm so used to like songs, you know, interchanging the reality for the metaphor. And if I wrote a book, I'd worry I would just, yeah, everything would be met, like one metaphor after the other after the other. Yeah, it's got to be a way. I mean, I'm I'm kind of fearless when it comes to improvising lyrics on stage, so I I really should should man up and get get you know and write something so that it doesn't make, not that it needs and makes sense all the time yeah 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 i mean maybe it wouldn't i really like recently i then nick cave did that did a sick the sick bag song i, said, I thought that was one like really wonderful because it was a sort of but he writes dialogue he writes scripts yeah 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 he he's does, got yeah. that in his head yeah yeah that's i don't i've never written something that is dialogue between two people because it's songs and it's prose and it's, uh-huh. it's verses so that's I wonder well I, the reason I like dialogue is because you can contradict people you can you can have people argument like um, most of the David Peace stuff is arguing it's like um, you know the Sam Peckinpah movies you know those those westerns that he did he well the dialogue in that is really strong, and everybody's arguing. It's it's but <laughs> but uh, so is uh, the English playwright, uh, the birthday party. Uh, I don't know. What is? He's he's he's, he's the best. He, he died a while back. He was uh, he's very anti-American, like seething the whole time. Oh God. He wrote the birthday party, and he did the the, the accident, the film with Dirk Bogart. He wrote the script for that. And the thing about his uh, his uh, dialogue is that it's an argument. Mm. You know, it's it sounds very natural, but here's this uncanny way of making it sound so polemic, so nasty, really. And so Pekaba has that style. Mm. All of that. But I think it, it uh, for some reason, I got to the point at one point of thinking that if you did arguments and you could sustain them, yeah, that something would come out of the other end of this that would be another plot. Uh, you don't think, in t- you know, because I, when I start thinking in terms of plots, oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, I know this situation over here. I think I have the situation over there. But how do you keep it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I think it would be... I don't know, maybe I could write arguments better than I can have them because I'm so conflict avoidant. (laughs) If I wrote an argument, it'd have to be like, and then they just both apologised and it was fine because I'm so scared of conflict. I think my... me, But maybe I could write them because I think... I can be quite angry in my songs in a way that I can't. I find it difficult to be angry in yeah. person. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, my my dialogue arguments were quite <laughs> short. Well, no, I think what they what they were were, were like they didn't appear as arguments. Mm. They were just 
you know, the, 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 I like the idea of the unreliable, the, the unreliable narrator. Mm. He'll tell you one thing here, and then down here you'll contradict it and pull yeah. a rug right from under your feet. Yeah. And then you establish another, and then down here you'd, you'd pull the rug again. Um, there's a, um, Alan Robert Grier has, has that style especially in his, in, in his last book. But um, that's, that's the beauty of some of those things mm. about... Who was this guy? Uh, God, I'm going to remember it after I've gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. But is that these are very reasonable comments about something. Mm. But after a while, it really starts getting on your nerves. Yeah and, yeah, and you start getting needled by all of this stuff, and this guy starts needling, and it's um, anyway. I, he trailed off <laughs> suspiciously. <laughs> I think, and as well, um, I kind of became, and it's like speaking as well. I think the more that I, and like dialogue, and even speaking, like the more that I the it's almost like the bigger I, the more famous I got, or the bigger the shows became, the less I would speak on stage because I became much more, shy, much shyer about to, to, talking to um, that many people because I feel, and even talking and like, so to talk to me, I feel like songs hold a protection around them, uh-huh. which is sort of magic, yeah. and you can communicate to me in a way that feels sort of safer mm-hmm. and speaking and also because it's you get to write it down first and it's planned and speaking is a form of improvising really like all the time like what is going to come out of my mouth I don't know you know I I, <laughs> I got really angry with someone years ago and I wrote a poem but really it was called Curse Curse and it was really in, yeah. in as in as um, middle age phrasing middle ages mm. phraseology as I could possibly get to make it like <laughs> yeah. and I showed it to this poet friend of mine I said and he said I don't know what you're worried about this for I said this is a love poem oh wow yes <laughs> yeah. and I said dang <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was meant it was really meant to go for somebody you know to really hurt them and tell them you know it's kind of always they're very close together those two things you know love and yeah hey and um so much of my songs have always dealt with like relationships or how I relate relating to people and it feels like actually in terms of my relationships I'm not a very sometimes just not very articulate at all, and that, and yet if I put down into a song what I feel, this clarity comes through that I can't seem to get or find hmm. in from singing. Yeah, from singing and from the act of sort of taking a pause and allowing, in, you know, not fighting for the words to explain how you feel, but just letting them come. I think if I could find a way to apply that to like daily exchanges with like my boyfriend or whatever that would be really good because <laughs> it seems like um, 
We cover a lot of territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like we have. Yeah. You haven't got a cab running outside here. What have you been up to here? Um, I just got back. I just got back from Tokyo. Very interesting, Tokyo. Yeah, so I only went there very briefly. I, I really liked it. Yeah, mo- yeah, you get. That's the thing with, with. Everybody says, "Oh, you're on tour. That's great. You see all these different places." I said, no, I don't see. I'm seeing the inside of a bus for you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'd like to do some actual travelling because, again, yeah, the inside of venues, inside of a bus, inside yeah. of that, yeah. so I think one day I will, yeah. It's very interesting in Tokyo. I mean, I, I've been there a couple of times before. I did I did the Oji show there, and I did Com, and um, so this time I went back and, I was, and it's still such a, uh, uh, an explosion of, of creativity in, in yeah. fashion. I mean, there's oh, some amazing. days it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they, they get these old costumes, they get mm. old uniforms, military uniforms, they tear them apart and build different things with them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they, they recreate that uniform in different fabrics and all of that. Oh. And, and, and these are like, I found it in Florence too. In in the, there was a time when we stopped playing for a day, a day off in Florence, and I went running around, and sure enough, soldiers all over the signs, you know, sales, sales, sales. And in one of one of them, I found this jacket. There was a Scottish military jacket, like a like a Highlands jacket, oh, you know, wow. with, that was gorgeous. And it was kind of, I bet it was kind of end of term where people are coming out of design school mm. and they've got their little ideas that they've made for, or they're trying to get jobs. Mm. Their application consists of mm. this, um, I'm guessing. And But the place was full of stuff like that. It was really great. Is that in Florence? Yeah. And it was, you know, there were these pop-up shops that just, you know, had sale on the outside and he went in and if you're lucky to find something in your size and you're lucky to find something in your size in Japan too because it's always <laughs> Asian. <laughs> uh, do you like Dries? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I do, I really like Yeah, Dries, I mean, that's very classy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I like, I like HBA better. I mean, he's... I got a dress from HBA. Oh, nice! Slip, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. <laughs> I just went to, to uh, Selfridges when I was in London. Got another a, a skirt. It was really good. Oh, from Hood by Air. Uh, I don't know who's from. I thought it was Vivian Westwood to begin with, but it's not. It's somebody else. But it's it's uh, it was, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's, you just. I don't, know th- I don't think I'm going to get that far. <laughs> oh, well, it's been so nice to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I... When How I, many days off do you have? Uh, I, uh... I've, I'm going only for three days to um, Malibu, and then I'm going home. I'm turning 30, and then... <laughs> the big three yeah. Um... And then I've got, you know, I just guess I just keep working, but 
It's nice to start working on the next thing when no one is expecting you to do it. <laughs> because... Because it allows you some privacy. Yeah, because huh? you... Uh, you can just get on with it in, in a very in-house way. And all the studios that I like to work in have no hardly any equipment because anything fancy makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm kind of just going to work. You and Isabel have been working on this for... I, I believe Isabel is your partner. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. So she... She, she, she um... Compadre she, and she hasn't... We haven't... We write together, or I'll just sort of do it on my own a bit. And I've kind of been doing this one on my own to start with, and then I'll start writing with her when she comes back. And um, but yeah, she is. She was sort of the first because um, I kind of didn't really know what sound it was I wanted to make, and people were setting me up with guitarists or because I had songs, but I thought I needed to maybe be the front person in someone else's band or. I didn't know I could do it myself. And Izza I met, and she just gave me this 100-pound Yamaha and a stick. <laughs> just was like, make whatever you want. Yeah. So it, so it all just came... Very cool. Yeah, and that's like how the... That's how the first songs were all made, really, in this very... No, no equipment, really. We were using pens as percussion and, you know, a detuned detuned drum that we'd stolen from someone else and it actually the, the not having much was a real absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. that really made all the difference yeah. so now if I go in studios where there's loads of equipment like, yeah. I can't do anything with this <laughs> yeah yeah certain amount of knowledge yeah it caught up with me eventually though I mean eventually I was curious so I wanted to I do get a computer on stage I mean it, so, yeah it goes through the set. You just go click, 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 and the sounds change. Uh, Otherwise, you don't. You know, you have. And then you need to fit in all the all the, the classical musicians in on top of the electronics. Yeah, which is yeah. always a problem. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's interesting. Too. I had um, I had fun with the because the Final Fantasy. We did a collaboration with this Final Fantasy video game and they actually had the budget to give yeah. it's a full orchestra and we don't have but I, yeah I love a, I, yeah I love um, bringing like the, that classical stuff in so it was a real pleasure to have like a budget to get an orchestra yeah you know, I, I, but then I, I, I really went off because it, was just, it reminded me of my of my upbringing and, and all oh, that. Oh, really? Cla classical, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's... And I didn't... Uh, really getting strange noises out of them was more important. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and... Um, I don't know. I... Yeah, we don't do... We're all electronic. There's no point <laughs> yeah. We actually did a song yesterday where we put a cello through loads of like really distorted yeah. Yeah. Like, guitar mics, yeah. and that was really fun. Yeah. So I think, and we definitely don't, we don't. There's no orchestras that we can get hold of right now. So, but cello through like a one of those amps sounded really, really amazing. Um, there you go. But yeah, it's sort of piece by piece. I think. It will come together, but so far it's just kind of like one note, <laughs> sticks banging on the walls again. Yeah, I did this. This concert I just did the uh, the Bowie um, 
tribute. Uh-huh. Had this very interesting bunch of musicians, were like Andre. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And they had um, you know, all really excellent players. And mm. if you told them to play out of tune, they didn't blink. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do uh, that. And play that. In fact, just let it drip a little yes, bit. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. And they, everybody was really enthusiastic and got on so well. Fabulous. Um, and really good, you know, you knew they could play anything, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he's got to keep them honed. I mean, he's, you know, it's, some, it's a responsibility when you have a, an outfit like that. Mm. And he does it pretty well. He writes mm. all the parts. And mm. I, I, don't, I don't really want to write parts. <laughs> yeah. 